Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 reads, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if they found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said to him, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who were called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, he took them to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, and he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. 
And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. For today's nugget of truth, I really see a theme that's throughout this entire chapter of Acts chapter 9, and that theme is that God's ways are not man's ways. When we look here, we see really three specific instances of that. The first is Saul and his conversion. The second is the healing of Aeneas. And the third is the healing of Dorcas. In each of these situations, we can see how people think one thing, but God is doing something drastically different. In the first one, the conversion of Saul, when we look at the response of that, the people are shocked by what has taken place. This person who is this intense persecutor of the church is now trying to side with the church. I'm sure people thought, hey, he's trying to be a double agent. He's trying to infiltrate us so that he can do greater harm to us. And it took a little bit of convincing for him to be able to be trusted by others because of what he's done against the cause of Christ. We see that even Ananias in his vision, he is not really wanting to respond in the way that he's being asked to because he doesn't really think that this makes sense. It doesn't make sense for this person who is on his way to that city to arrest and to capture and take people back to Jerusalem, for him to go and befriend this person. It doesn't make sense, but God's way is different. God is saying, no, I'm going to redeem this person who was so intensely persecuting me and use that same intensity as a fuel for the expansion of the gospel. When we look down at Aeneas, we see that this person has been bedridden for eight years. At this point in time in the culture and the society, he would have been seen as not very valuable because he has nothing to add. In fact, all he's doing is taking from resources that could be used for other people. So he is somebody who is as good as dead in his current situation. But God uses this situation to redeem him and to display the truth of the gospel to the people around him. We see in verse 35, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. This is a massive evangelistic effort and a massive win for the gospel as it continues to spread in a way that we would not think it would. As we look down at our third and final example with Dorcas, we see this person who the people say, hey, she's done so much for the Lord. She's done so much to help those around him. We see these widows and the others that are weeping and showing these tunics and all the things that she's done for the people. And they think, hey, her work is over. They're weeping. They're sad. She's gone. Yet when Peter gets there and when Peter touches her and has her arise, the work that she does after that is even greater because it became known throughout all of Joppa and many believed in the Lord. You see, in these three situations, God is working in ways that the people didn't really understand. Why would a man be paralyzed for so long? We see that's for the sake of the gospel. Why would this person who had done so much for the Lord die? We see that the restoration of that person allowed for the gospel to spread even further. And why would this person be allowed to persecute God's church so much? To display the marvelous nature of the transforming work of the gospel. You see, in each of these situations, God was doing something that the people didn't yet understand until they were able to look back on it. And I know that's been the way that I've experienced God in many times in my life. I've been through seasons or periods of time in which I didn't really understand what God was doing or why things were so difficult or why things weren't turning out the way I expected them to. 
Yet God had a plan for each of those situations. And as I'm able to look back on them, I'm able to see how he was guiding my path, how he was directing me, how he was drawing me closer to him, how he was allowing me to grow in my understanding of who he was through difficulties, through hardships, and through trials. And so I think that that should be an encouragement for us as we work through a passage like this to say, hey, as we watch what God is doing, God always has a plan, even when it doesn't seem to make sense for the people that are experiencing the current events, that he's able to redeem events, that he's able to restore, that he's able to have a greater mindset than we can often even comprehend because he's the God of the whole universe and he's working through so many more things than just our individual lives and the things that we can see and touch and experience on a daily basis. And so we must trust in him, trust in his faithfulness, trust in his character, trust that he will continue to work out all good things according to his perfect plan. As far as a question for today, I'm going to share with you a question that I'm still searching for the answer of. And that's coming in our last section here in this chapter. In all of the rest of the healings that have taken place, we've seen the name Jesus Christ used. They're doing this work in the name, in the power of Jesus Christ. Yet when we look down here at verse 40, it says, But Peter put them all outside. He knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. When we look at that, we see that this is the first time that there's a healing that takes place that doesn't use the healing being done in the name of the Lord. Now, certainly we see that there's an association with the Lord because of verse 42, and it says, and many believed in the Lord, but he doesn't use in the name of the Lord or any of those things there. So my question is, what is the significance of that? It seems like a significant departure from what he's been doing in the other sections. And so I've been searching. I can't really find a good answer on that, but I'm going to continue to seek others who can help me to understand. Look at other resources. Try to find that. And maybe the next time you see me, ask me if I've been able to understand the significance of this passage and what took place. As I continue to study and look and understand how God's Word has been written and what it's there to instruct me in doing, I pray that you're doing the same as you seek out questions, seek out your greater understanding of God's Word and how it applies to your life. Know today you were loved. You're